This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Ruby Sue. And Ruby Sue was married to an escalating abuser. It's a story of infidelity, zero accountability, stalking, and the loss of control. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Ruby Sue. How are you? Good. How are you? That rhymed. I'm great. And (laughs) thank you for being here with us today. I know you're going to help a lot of people by sharing your story And if you want to be a guest like Ruby Sue is today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Read all of our instructions and send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or just fill our, our Guest Form page out and press the Submit button. I had to... It's hard for me to get my words out there. And now... Uh, you're going to hear Ruby Sue's story and this has levels and there's three levels and each level, uh, gets a little bit worse. And let me tell you, when you get to level three here, it gets really scary. What happened here with Ruby Sue, this is something she really couldn't see coming at all. So I really just want to thank, uh, Ruby Sue for being here. And now, without further ado, Ruby Sue, it rhymed again. The floor <laughs> is now yours. Thanks, Brandon. I'm really excited to be on your show. I love your show. There's a lot of times that I'm listening to episodes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just, it's textbook, just like what happened to me. And um, it's just crazy that it, you know, each story is unique, but these narcissistic or toxic uh, behaviors just repeat themselves in our pattern. So I hope that the people listening will hear my story and be like, wow, that's exactly what's going on in my life. And use it to your advantage. Um, but I'll 
I'll start. Oh, but before you start, I just wanted to say you even sent me an email the other day saying, oh, my God, that episode that I you just played, uh, that I heard my story in there. Yeah. Which eventually. Yeah, back to back. Yeah. Yep. Two episodes. I mean, are we allowed to say? I think there, there was that one, but then the one before it, I was, I felt like there was some crossovers there, too. Um, the one, though, because she had a son uh, and then a daughter. And it was like, I also had a son. And then like when things were rocky, I then had my daughter. Um, so it just, you know, it's, and then uh, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. <laughs> All right. So before I rudely interrupted you, you're about to go into your childhood. I was, yes. Um, so I have a great family. I have, um, I had a great childhood I, I mean, I would say I, I was a normal, you know, part of a normal family, like the normal dysfunctions were human beings. Um, my dad is a very uh, strong figure in my life. He and my mom have been um, together since high school, you know, high school sweethearts. He was the jock. She was the the pretty new girl and um you know they've been married for i don't know 40 some years um and so and then even like my grandparents both were like married young um had lots of kids that died together you know so this whole idea of um you know family is just very important to me and a divorce and dysfunction and um like truly abuse use of relationships, that was nothing I was ever exposed to. I mean, my parents would have fights and my dad has anger, but you know, don't we all? <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, I, I would say my, my dad is like a very, um, gregarious. He's out, he's outgoing. He's a go-getter, but he really has like a heart of gold. Like he, he cares about people. He's taught me, uh, you know, and my mom too. My mom's taught me a lot. Um, but my dad kind of runs, runs the show and my mom like needs him to run the show. Like she can't make a decision to save her life. Right. So, um, we moved around a little bit, um, just because my dad was trying to establish a career. And so, um, I have two sisters. I'm the middle sister. And, um, you know, we weren't allowed to watch MTV or VH1 or rated R movies. We weren't allowed to swear. Like it's, we went to church every Sunday. We were, um, raised Catholic, but not like strict Catholic. I think my dad felt like obligated to, um, you know, carry the tradition that his mom, who was a strict Catholic. Um, but I, I mean, I would say like family wise, pretty normal. And I'm lucky that I had what I had. Um, but then actually it's interesting because in, on one of your episodes, I had a realization um, because she's like, you know, my family was normal. This was a recent one. One of the ones I was like, yeah, me too. My family was normal, but it wasn't, it was in high school when I was, I'll, I'm not even going to say in love. I was like obsessed with this guy who lived down the street and I was, I had like never kissed a guy. I'd never done anything with a guy. And, um, 
he was a year older than me and I went to middle school with him. And then in high school, when I got to high school in ninth grade, he was in 10th grade and he was, he was just a very good looking guy. I mean, very cute, kind of got like that, um, all American, um, Zach Efron level of cuteness. And I, and, and I, I mean, looking back, I'm like, dang, yeah, he was, he is the narcissistic personality, but, um, the charm and the, and I was just an insecure 14 year old, right? Like never had a boyfriend, never been kissed. Um, you know, what's the one movie never been kissed with, um, Josie Grossy. That was (laughs) me. And, um, and so he like, he hooked me in like I was um I I would he, he would come over like at night or whatever when my when my parents would go to sleep he'd like come up the street and we'd hang out and then um things happened he used me basically and um but would never like date me and but would kind of string me along and I was just gullible and you know, getting the attention from him. And that was like almost all through, uh, high school until 12th grade, obviously he was gone. And then I would say 12th grade, it was when I finally started like coming into my own and, um, being who I am. And I've, I I mean, as much as I, I was insecure, I'm also a secure type of person in like my beliefs and my dreams and, um, just highly influenced by, uh, manipulative people. Like I believe your word when I was younger, if you said something, I'm going to believe you, even if your actions don't line up. So, um, so I get to college, still never really had a boyfriend. Um, I had a, a couple of quick boyfriends don't have time to talk about them, but again, in hindsight, narcissistic personalities, it's that human magnet syndrome that, I just draw them in. And um, then when I was 22, um, I was in my hometown and um, I really always lived here, went to college and and stayed here. And I met my ex-husband. So, so before we get to your ex-husband. Yeah. um, I guess you have a normal upbringing. You are pretty innocent in a lot of ways. Yeah. And your first relationship for years or your first experience with guys for years is constantly having you off balance. Yes. And you're off balance for a, a good chunk of time pretty much grade 9 grade 10 grade 11 you are off balance and you are in this push pull dynamic through this time this is what you're used to the difference in power here is obvious you're the one who has no power here mm-hmm. and you're just being kind of strung along and it's something that is getting a, a little bit ingrained in you possibly here and, you know, what is your belief about relationships from what you learned 
from your high school experience and from your university experience of dating? And what are your beliefs about relationships in general? And do you have like different belief systems about life in general that might hinder you going forward? Um, I would say I am a, like a dreamer and, um, that kind of hopeless romantic, my parents kind of have this, like, uh, you know, they, the, the ideal, what you think is supposed to be like two people fall for each other and they're fun and they have this, like, and it really, I mean, yeah, they have this like ideal in my mind um, relationship. And I think the pressure from my mom, which um, my mom is, it can be naive and um, she has a good heart. There's no maliciousness here in my family. Um, but she would be like, because uh, she was very pretty in high school and, and I, you know, the guys liked her. And so when I was in high school, she'd be like, you know, well, what guys, like, what guys do you like? What guys like you? <laughs> like, like no one, mom, nobody liked me. Um, so there was a complex, I think just my, in, in confidence in my looks and my body. Um, I was never like super skinny, um, but I wanted to be, I was a cheerleader and all the other girls were like a size two and I was a size six or eight, you know, like, so I, I had a com a complex with my looks and my body, um, all through high school. Um, and I'm not blaming it on my mom. I think just like the, um, what I thought I would like to be attractive to a man, like I have to look a certain way. I have to be a certain way. Um, and I want like, even still, I want to take care of people. I want to be, um, which, you know, I have a career, you know, me, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like subservient, but then I think at the time I kind of, I, I gravitated to being that playing that role of, um, I guess it's really, if you think like with my parents and it works for them, that's what I thought maybe, you know, that was my role. That what I'm the subservient, um, girlfriend and, you know, to this, um, outgoing, um, fun loving guy. And, you know, I'm looking for that dynamic and I, you know, I'm not finding it. And well, I had that messed up quote relationship with the guy down the street and um which occupied a lot of space in my mind and it became more of like a I just want him to like I I wanted him to like me I mean I'm you know gosh I'm gonna be 36 this is when I was 14 15 so it sounds so silly to say it now but at the time it's like I just want him to like me, I want him to take me to prom. I want him to be, um, it, you know, having fun with me. He was never fun. He's a loser. He's a disgusting loser. <laughs> and, but, you know, now, but at the time he was a, you know, a football player. He's just, but he wasn't ever like, 
really nice or funny. I mean, he was, he was smug and he was too cool. And, um, if he gave me attention, it was like, oh, you know, like, wow, he's, he, he's giving me attention, but it was just to use me. Um, so that kind of ruined my, from the get go, uh, my dynamic with men. Um, and I was very independent and I wanted to, you know, move away to Chicago or be on my own and, um, be a lawyer or, you know, something high powered. So I wasn't like meek and, um, and insecure about my capabilities, but I think I was meek and insecure about my looks. And I put too much emphasis on how I look and, um, and that sort of like, I need to find a guy. I, I think that's common though. I think a lot of, you know, as a woman, as a girl, like, you know, you're supposed to attract a mate, <laughs> like, you know, boils down to that. Um, but my philosophy was always, it should be balanced. It should be a balanced relationship. If I want to do this, you support me and I'm going to support you. And we have a friendship, but we're also like romantic. Um, but I, you know, I like to have a guy that is, uh, you know, I guess like my dad, they say, <laughs> what a person like you're somebody that's going to like kind of take the reins and be like, nope, we're going to do this. I like that. Even though I, I, I'm, you know, I'm single now and I, I make all the, I call all the shots and I, I enjoy my independence. Sometimes I'm like, gosh, it would be so nice to just have that manly man come in to, you know, fix the thing and, and just kind of like <laughs> call the shots. So that's like what I'm attracted to. Yeah. I, um, I was, I was going to say that you, uh, like manly men, um, and in a way you are this feminist that likes yes. traditional relationship <laughs> roles. It's a contradic yes. it's a contradiction in a way. I know. I know. But um and in and you and you have I guess the really, you know, based upon how you grew up and, and until this point, the idea of this just like the, the traditional family and you get married, you have your two and a half kids, you have your house. I wanted five kids. Like I want, I wanted, I, I don't want the cookie cutter in the suburbs. Uh, you know, I want the big farm and we've got, we just keep having babies and we're having fun. And it's, you know, he takes care of me. I'm taking care of the babies. There's something beautiful to me about that there's something very fulfilling in my heart about that setup and i i never got it and it it does make me sad because that's like that's what i wanted that's what i wanted but um you know like the universe god whoever you want to say you know always gives you what you need and um it doesn't always look how you thought it would and my life is very fulfilling i have two kids um, but I think that was my idea of like the ideal, um, life would be to like find my quote soulmate 
and have lots of kids and just have, you know, create a life with my family and go see my, go see the grandparents and just like family, family, family. And my life still is like that. I just don't have all the kids and I have a career and I'm going to go nuts sometimes. (laughs) So eventually you, as I interrupted earlier, you met the person that this story is about, your ex-husband. So where did you meet? Um, yeah, so he actually went to high school. We went to the same high school. He was two years older than me. And um, he dated one of my friends. I mean, she wasn't like, she was a friend, but not like one of my best friends where I'm like hanging out with her all the time. Um, we went to a large high school, a city high school. There's like 2000 people in the school. So it's a big high school. Um, so you don't know everybody. There's this large groups. And I, I remember the first time I saw him, I was like, he is gorgeous. Gore- like, who is this guy? I've never seen that. And he looked kind of like more grown up. Like he looked, uh, you know, he didn't look like a boy. Like he was so cute. And I was like, dang, who's that? And I and then once I knew who he was, I realized he was a little bit of like a, a little bit of a rebel. He's not getting good grades. I, you know, he comes from a little bit of a broken family. Um, he actually was, he was supposed to graduate. He would have been three years older than me, but he couldn't, you know, he, he dropped out of school, but then he got back in school. Um, so he was, you know, it was like, a bad boy, I guess. And I wasn't, I thought he was cute, but I wasn't trying to date him, um, in high school. And, uh, so, you know, I met him a few times through my friend, uh, and he was very shy and, um, you know, he wasn't that gregarious outgoing guy at all. And so he's a, he is a manly man, but he has this soft side of him that I really, it was something different. And, um, anyway, I'm kind of jumping ahead. So I moved out of my parents' house when I was 19, I was going to school. Uh, all my friends went away to college. I stayed home and got my own apartment and, um, we would go out to the, bars and um he would be there and his friend was dating one of my best friends one night I was 22 and we were both at the bar and he um came over to me and was like do you want to come with my friends and I after the bar closes to this party and I said sure so he um he drove me over and it was uh, like, I don't know. I just, like, I remember the song. I was like, <laughs> Mrs. Officer by Lil Wayne. And I was like, oh my God, I was like so into Lil Wayne at the time. <laughs> like, I love Mrs. Officer. <laughs> and um, we hung out at this party and um, he <laughs> like, this isn't even like the classic love story. Like, it's just so ridiculous. But he, he was very there's something about him like even still thinking back like you, there was there's like a layer of goodness that I saw and he is endearing and and it 
felt genuine. And, um, and the fact that he was kind of shy and wasn't like the center of attention kind of guy. And, um, he did like to, like, we'd have conversations like, uh, the first night, I think we're up till like five o'clock in the morning talking and he didn't try to like put the moves on me. And it was, um, it, it felt natural. And, um, after that first night, a couple days later, I gave him my cell phone number and he called me when like on a Tuesday at six and was like, would you like to go to the movies? And I was like, gosh, this is what a normal like relationship looks like right like this has never happened to me in my life (laughs) and um so we went to the movies and then after that it was we just were never apart um and I lived on my by myself in an apartment and he was living in the basement of his sister's house mind you he's 25 so at 25 and 22 that was kind of normal. Like, yeah, well, you know, I moved in with my sister. She was a single mom. She had a five, my nephew who was five, uh, at the time. And so it, it was like, you know, and he loved, I remember he showed me a picture of his nephew. Look how cute my, my nephew is. And, um, so that seemed no, you know, like it, it didn't seem like a red flag or anything. Um, and the way he was about his nephew and, he, I remember he said, uh, like within the first couple of weeks, if we ever had kids, they'd be like LeBron James, which, um, you know, LeBron James is like the ultimate human being in his eyes. So I, the fact that he was talking about having kids and he loved his nephew and he lived with his sister and he, you know, he was excited to introduce me to his sister, um, that like, and he really looked up to her, um, who I, by the way, I love her, her and I are still very close. I I mean, she's like my sister now. Um, so it was like, but it was fast, right? Like you think of how quickly they move. So here I'm living in this apartment and he has all his stuff at his sister's house. Um, he would travel during the week. So Monday through Thursday or Friday, he would, it was like a type of job. He would be, um, all around the United States at different places, come home, um, for the weekend. So when he came home for the weekend, he would crash at my place. So he really was never even at his sister's. And that was like the first year of our relationship of he's gone. He gets home. He stays with me for the weekend. We go out to the, you know, and, and to the bars, maybe one night we stay in and then he's gone for the week. And, um, it was, and we never fought. I never saw any sort of aggression from him. There weren't, there wasn't any like red flags at all that I can, that would have been even at the time where I was like, oh, that was weird. Um, but I mean, how could you? Cause there's no cadence when somebody leaves four or five days out of the week. And then, you know, there's low responsibility here. Um, you know, and, and a person like that, a narcissist, or he's not diagnosed, but like, 
if there's no responsibility, like, yeah, life is easy. Life is, is, is great. So after a year of that, um, my lease was up and he would, we were like basically living together and it was like, well, why don't we just go get a bigger, um, duplex or a house or whatever and split the rent. Um, and we found a place and, so once we moved in together, that's when some of the red flags would have started to show up and um, like small, aggressive things like, uh, you know, if I left the towels on the floor, he'd get he'd get weird about that. But again, I've never lived with anybody else. So here I, I just, you know, I think that even a regular people, right? Like you fight, you leave something on the floor, you're going to have a thing. So I'm thinking it's, it's, it's fine. But I would say there were some fights uh, between us. And I can't think like specifically, you know, this happened or that happened, but it was at the point um, we were probably living together for about four or five months. And I was like, this is not what I want. Like, I, I don't want to have, this is chaotic, it, not chaotic, but it, this is too much. I, I remember actually, I asked my sister if she could switch, like, Hey, she's going to move in and, um, you move out because I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. And, um, what kind of chaotic things were going on? So he would just be a dick, you know, like he would be, uh, he wasn't as um, endearing as he previously was. And it like, he couldn't just relax and just, you know, let's have a, a, a fun time. It's like, he's in a bad mood. And then I can't talk to him because now he's in a shitty mood. So he was moody and, and then it would start a fight and, um, so would you get attacked for no reason when he was in a mood? Um, I wouldn't say attacked. I would say more like dismissed or um, disrespected or um, just he wasn't um, supportive. It wasn't balanced. You know, I, I'm kind of, I was a great um, show for him um, because I I gave him stability, right? Like he also needed my stability. And then, but he, you know, it's like a take, 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 but he's not really contributing other than he's helping pay half the rent and for the groceries and um, you know, it's not like he's buying me anything other, you know, where everything's split 50, 50. And, um, and you, you, you have a moody teenager on your hand in a way. He, yeah. I always say he was like my teenage son and, um, he would be out with his friends till, you know, so late at night, he'd come home with, he had a gotten a fight. So his face is, you know, he's got a black eye or something. Um, but to me, those things were like, I, I could handle it, but I, at the time 
there was a moment where I was thinking I should have my sister move in and have him move out. But in my mind, I'm like, but we'll still date. I just can't, I can't date him while he's like this. Um, but then, you know, he pulls you back in, you know, that whole cycle of he's being shitty. And then as soon as I'm like telling the landlord, Hey, um, we're going to, you know, my sister's moving in. Cause I got to that point. Um, we change our mind, you know, he's going to change and he's, he's changed for a week. And so I'm like, Oh, he is changing. <laughs> and so I, you know, then I call it off and then quickly there after I got pregnant with my son and I was 22, I was 23 and, um, not, I wasn't expecting it. Like I, we weren't trying, but we also weren't like trying to prevent it either. And he, I was like, kind of like, oh my gosh, I don't, I mean, I'm never pregnant. I have a positive pregnancy test. We're not married. Um, you know, two months ago I was going to move out or he was going to move out. And he was so excited. Like, I remember his face when I was like, I said I was pregnant. He was like, he was like, you better not be upset about this. And I, and like his, um, excitement is like, I was like, oh, this, like he, you know, this is going to be okay. And obviously my parents and my family is going to support it. It was just, it just wasn't planned. It's an unplanned pregnancy. Um, and I thank God every day for it because it put my life on the right trajectory. My, my kids do. And, um, I'm so thankful for them. But um, so, yeah, so here I'm, you know, 23. I thought I was going to move to Chicago or something. And, you know, I'm, well, life, life's given me something else. And he was excited about it. And, um, and right there telling my parent, you know, like it was an exciting thing. And he would say like, I can't wait for this. Um, we're going to, it's going to be so different when the baby's here because, you know, it's going to force me to be different. And then he proposed, uh, you know, it was like, it was, it seemed normal. <laughs> it seemed normal. And, um, but while I was pregnant, I would say that's when things really started to show themselves because now here we have this responsibility forming and I'm nesting, you know, I went from 23 year old partying, hanging out with our buddies from high school to now I'm pregnant and have to get ready to be a mom. And like, here, here it comes. I'm going to, I'm assuming the position. And he wasn't, and he would be out with his buddies again till four in the morning and I'm home pregnant. And then he would, uh, I'd be crying and he would be telling me, you know, and he, cause he'd be drunk or in high or in all kinds, you know, who knows what was in his system. And he would, um, he, he would be an ass and he'd like slam the door and it, it would, he'd slam it so hard. The door frame would break off and, um, I'd have to like, he'd be at the bars with his buddies and I'd have to get my sister's boyfriend to go into the bar because here I am like six months pregnant. I'm not about to walk in all my high school friends there. I'm like pulling my, uh, you know, fiance out of there with a pregnant belly. So like that, you know, that was a little bit humiliating. Um, and then I would like say like, you need to come home. He wouldn't come home. Um, 
where are you? His phone's off. Um, I would like say I'm moving out, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. And then he wouldn't care. Like he would just be like, okay, you know, like he'd just keep doing whatever he wanted to do. Um, but then when the, you know, as soon as it was like, it, it, it was, I'm going to leave, he would, um, he would change and then he would be good for a little bit. And so I'm like, you know, I want this to work. Like I, he, I said, yes, we're going to get married when the, after the baby's born, blah, blah, blah. So the baby's born and it's the same bullshit. Like I'm home with the baby and he's, um, out with his buddies doing who knows what, who knows where, uh, no accountability. I didn't know. I really didn't know who he was with. And I'm not the kind of person to be like, who are you with? What are, who all's there? Where are you? I just want to know what time are you going to be home? And when you don't come home, like you said, you were going to come home at 1030 because we have a baby, I'm going to be pissed. And, um, and I think there's a lot of men out there who aren't narcissists who up to this point have acted like this in their life. This is not the narcissistic piece of the story, which so far we're like two, two and a half years in. And um, I have yet to really experience something that's like, you know, a narcissistic red flag. Um, but I, But I will say this. Yeah. Two and a half years in. The person you dated on day one is not the person that you're currently in a relationship with. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, it's the wheels are starting to get loose uh, off the wagon, Um, but not enough to where I was like, I need to get out of here. And I'm somebody who puts up with a lot. I have a long fuse. I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I believe if he says he loves me and I'm the best thing that's ever happened to him and I'm just, you know, we're going to have a family and blah, blah, blah. I'm believing it. So how are you coping? Are you talking to people about it or are you internalizing everything? Yeah, I never was like hiding what was, I'm not the kind of person that hides how I'm feeling, what's going on. So I would like go to my, you know, I go to my sister's like getting her boyfriend to go pull him out of the bar and my parents would I think my and my parents liked him my dad really liked him and um I think they were thinking he's kind of pulling this you know he's a 26 year old kid I'm pregnant they wanted it to work we all wanted it to work we wanted him to kind of like get through this uh immaturity you know um and he wanted to marry me and he wanted a wedding. He wanted, like, he wanted to do the whole shebang. And we had a great wedding. It was fun. Um, and that's when, after the wedding, it really took the turn. Um, so he, like I said, he's a veteran. And so he has VA benefits in the U.S that they like pay for your school. And so I was like, why don't you go to college? They'll pay for it. So he's going, he's, so he quits his job. So now he's not 
gone. He's always home, but he's never actually home. He's, quote, at school. Um, and he, you know, and then it was like, well, I have a lab tonight. So I, I got to test. I got to study. So he's like, never, never, never home. Um, and meanwhile, I, I, we got married and then, um, I think a huge, we got married and we went on a trip with my son and he got so mad at, he got really weird with controlling me about my son when I was pregnant about like not eating certain things because it would affect the baby. And, um, actually one time, see, I have to like recall all this stuff. It's all coming back to me. Um, I was still pregnant. It was, it was actually when he proposed, I was pregnant when he proposed and we were out with my parents. We went to Chicago and, um, my dad ordered one of those like cheese boards and apparently one of the cheeses are like, I don't know. It can be bad for a fetus. I don't know. He knows all this stuff. He didn't talk. I ate a piece of the cheese and then he didn't talk to me like basically the rest of the night. He wouldn't talk to me. I knew he was mad about something. Um, and then another time when I was pregnant, I got up in the middle of the night and I got a glass of water from the faucet (laughs) and he, I like went to lay back down and he like gets out of bed turns the light on and he's like uh like freaking out at me like what the hell are you doing uh, you know that i just bought bottled water and <clears throat> like putting the baby in jeopardy by drinking water from the faucet and i thought it was so weird cuz that you know i've never been a germaphobe like that to that extent and um i just thought he was like a germaphobe like, okay, so he's a germaphobe, weird about the baby, weird about that kind of stuff. He still is weird about that stuff, but it felt like he was trying to control me, um, you know, like my every step. And then if I made him this stuff, he's not going to talk to me. Um, anyway, um, so once I had my son and once we got married, um, he got, we went on this trip and he got so mad at me. And he stormed, he like got out of the car and just like walked off in, into the traffic and like away. And, um, and he was basically, again, it's about my son. Like, I'm not giving him the right food. I'm not doing things correctly according to his thing. And, um, and then he would just like storm off. And then it's like, you know, here we are not, you know, on not in a city I'm familiar with. And now I've got to find him. Um, and I just remember thinking like we had just gotten married a couple of weeks earlier and I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to like, this is going to be my life. I have to put up with this now, this like, you know, and it, it was getting, it was getting worse and worse. And like, there was no romance anymore. We would, we were staying in hotels and like, he wouldn't be, um, like lovey-dovey, touchy-feely. We wouldn't sleep together. You know, it's like he, he would kind of do that with me. Like, and I wanted to sleep with him. I wanted to have like, I mean, we, we were intimate on his terms, always on his terms. So if he's moody and he's doing something, which I think in hindsight, he probably was like 
with a girlfriend or something. And so then he would be very distant and very cold to me. Um, and then, and it got more and more further and farther and few between where there were like moments of like happy, intimate, him and I romantic. Like once we got married, he got very cold very quickly. And um, he quit his job, was going to school. And and I can only speculate, um, but I think my gut instincts are pretty close. He's meeting now. He's meeting girls at the college. He got a job at like a hoity-toity restaurant. So he meets the hostess there. So, you know, the honeymoon's over. He's going to school. He's never coming home. He's got labs late at night. And then finals would come and he'd have like incompletes and like an F. And I'm like, okay, you're, he's not stupid. Like you're clearly not doing the work, but yet you're never home because you're always at school. Um, so this isn't adding up. It's not adding up. Uh, and he was then like even more distant and cold towards me. So then, um, I got pregnant again with my daughter and, um, we went again to Chicago with my parents and this time my son was a baby and he got pissed at me about something stupid, something with the way I was with my son. And he stormed out that night out of the hotel. Like we got back to the hotel, we got in a huge fight. Um, and he left the hotel room and he flew home. He caught a plane and flew home. And it was like, you know, my parents are here. And that's when my parents are like, what the hell is going on? Um, and I had just found out I was pregnant with my daughter and my, I didn't tell my parents or anything, but this was when it was like, okay, he's storming off. Um, and wh- like, why though? And in hindsight, it's because there was somebody back home that he's, you know, he's going to storm off and then go hang out with her. So he, he, so he has this pattern always of getting angry over the littlest of things and yeah. blaming you for something that there's no reason to have blame for. He has these mini tantrums and... Are you um, letting these things slide? Are you challenging these things? Are you changing? Are you changing your behavior sometimes so these things don't happen as well? Um, no, I at, not at first. You know these little tantrums, and I'm not going to back down from something like that. Like I'm going to go toe to toe. And that's why there would be big blow up fights because I'm not going to back down. So, and I, and I'm not meek either. So I'm kind of like, you know what, F you for doing that. You know, that was rude and disrespectful. And I called you all night and your phone was off. Where the hell were you? And he'd be like, shut the fuck up, bitch. You know, fuck you, bitch. Um, but it's like, I have every right. You're my husband and we have a, a baby together and you didn't come home last night. Where were you? wouldn't wouldn't respond um you know and I'd be home in bed it's like four o'clock in the morning he's still not home um and I would think like 
a, you know, somebody mugged him. And he's like, one night I even called the city police station to be like, do you guys have someone, you know, that, that, because there was no way in my mind that he was like at somebody's house or, you know, he left the house to work and then wouldn't come home. And so I'm thinking he's working, but really he would get off work, go out with his buddies and then probably go to a girl's house or go to a buddy's house and a girl girls would be there. And, um, meanwhile, I am pregnant on my second child and he's really not supportive. He's cold and distant, a lot of stonewalling, disappearing acts. And then when I would push him for an answer, he'd be like, uh, like this one time, for instance, I, I want to know what happened and where you were. And he would be like, say it one more time. And he like picked up my laptop and over his head, like he was going to throw it on the ground. He's like, say it one more time. And I'm throwing this on the ground. And I'm like, I said it one more time. Cause I, you know, I'm not going to be like, Oh, okay. You're going to put it. So I'm like, you know, I'm fighting back and he smashed my $1,300 laptop that I was still paying off to Best Buy. And it, it was like, what the hell? That is now I'm like, okay, the, the you know, the storming off in Philadelphia, the um, smashing my laptop. And then I would go and tell my, like, I remember I was like crying to my parents, like he smashed my laptop. Um, and they were like, you know, kind of like, what the hell you, you can't, um, I, I think they still had faith that, you know, like maybe he needs anger management and I did too. Like maybe, you know, we need to go to counseling. Um, so, so going back to that time in Chicago, when you got on the plane, were you able to put two and two together at that time? And did you say he's going to see another woman? No, not an inkling. Other than he's being cold and distant, I'm just thinking he's just a moody dick, you know, like, I, like he's really pissed about this, which irritated me. Like, I'm just trying to have fun and enjoy the time and you're getting mad at me. Um, and then I'm fighting back. Like, I'm not, I guess, you know, in hindsight, I, I you know, this is 11 years ago. I probably would have been, you know, and today I. I think I wouldn't even feed into the drama, but I would. And, you know, he would then storm off. Now he's got an excuse because we've had a big fight. So now he's gone. And, you know, it's like, I just needed to get away from, uh, you know, the drama. You're, you, he's not taking the accountability. He's making, it's the gaslighting of like, I'm the drama. I'm making it, um, chaotic and he just needed to get out because he was so pissed and then and, and even then I was like kind of like you know I feel like he's the drama but okay um he was really he was really a pro at uh taking your defensive uh stance reversing it on you making it seem like you're the aggressor in the situation when it was really his uh, outburst that started everything. And right. then you're sitting there thinking, I assume like, do you assume ever assume like, is it me at one point or no? 
or are you pretty confident that like, no, it's not me. It's, it's, it's this guy. Yeah. I was pretty confident that it was him and, and I would tell him that and he does, you know, he doesn't like that. And then I would be like, um, you know, you're like this because, uh, you know, like his dad, he never, his dad was never in his life and his dad, um, just was a bad guy with a, a track record. And so I would like point out to him, like, you are becoming things like your dad, like you're just like your dad. And, and I'm not saying I was like perfect in the situation where, you know, I'm not hurling insults back at him because I'm mad. I, you know, I'm immature too, but, and I'm mad, but I, I definitely had reasons to be mad, mad because he's not owning his obligations. And he's, aside from all of this, we're piss broke. He's going to school, living off the VA, the money, we have separate accounts. I, I, I mean, I believe in separate accounts. I make my money and then we share expenses. Um, but he was, I'm the one having babies and trying and, um, you know, like I had graduated college, but I was having the babies and kind of wanting to be that stay at home mom, um, while they were infants and he would come home and be like, what have you contributed? You should be doing something like, like coming up with money somehow. Like, how are you making money? And I'm like, okay. Um, you know, sure. So I, would like sell stuff on eBay. And I'm like, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't what I I really want to do. But I, I didn't know what the next move in my life was money wise. Cause I hadn't thought about it. Like you and I had babies early and now here I am pregnant. And you're kind of like asking me to figure out how, what I'm doing to contribute when you're the one that could easily get a job and get the money from the VA. Cause the VA also gives you a house allowance. So if he could get a full-time job, but he's dicking around at the community college, right? Like he does, he's not working. And then his fun money from the valet parking goes to his binge drinking and whatever else he's doing and his Nike shoes. And, you know, he loves to spend money. And, um, and so we're, so we're broke, you know, and he's smashing my laptop. Well, we don't have money to fix that. Um, and then he wouldn't pay, like, he wouldn't pay the gas bill because he'd say, well, you need to go get on government assistance. Like, we're, we're poor enough that you, we could get on government assistance. You need to go stand in line and get on food stamps and all that. And I had never done that. Like, I didn't even know that was an option. But he's like, yeah, you need to, you know, you need to do this. Which I, so I did because I need, you know, we, I wasn't really working and he wasn't really working. I mean, everything, it was paycheck to paycheck. And, um, he would use like my credit. I have good credit. I, he would use my credit cards to buy stuff. And, um, cause I was naive and I put hit, I gave him a credit card, but he would buy, he would buy, you know, material things. And then, um, he would do our tax return and all the money would go into his account. And then he like one day comes home with a brand new iPad. <laughs> so like just very immature. And, um, and I may, you know, I'd be like, you need to go return that. So now that's a fight. Um, 
it's like everything was a fight. Um, I guess it is important to note, like, during this time, I'm, like, trying to figure out my next move in my career. I have babies, so that wasn't at the forefront of my mind. He's not responsible. He's not reliable. Um, and he's, uh, you know, it's, it's not happy. It's not a happy marriage. And, um, so I decided to go back to college and get my master's degree. And because that would be like a surefire way to get a job. So I like, okay, I'll make good money. I can be self-sustainable. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to last forever because this is chaotic. Um, so I have to set myself up for success. Um, and that now this is another layer that I think added to the, the chaos of, of everything. Um, well, wait, before I went into school, I was like, okay, I need to figure out, I need to know what I'm going to do. I get his phone one day, he leaves his phone out and I find a text message from a girl and it was like, I forget what it said, but, um, it was something like, um, she want, you know, like, I wish, uh, I just, I want what I can't have or something. And I was like, why, why would you be interested in a married man with a baby and, and one on the way? And, oh, and she's like, well, I guess I want what I can't have. And, um, I, I wish I would have played this differently, like everything in hindsight, like I wish I could have just left it going to see what would have happened. But at the time I'm like shocked, I'm finding his phone and he has this girl texting him about like hanging out and how great it was and blah, blah, blah. I, it wasn't like a lot, but it was just enough to be like, okay, something's going on between these two. So I, I say something to him about it and right away it's like, she's not interested in me she's not that she has she wants nothing to do with me we're just friends uh whatever right like there's reasons why she doesn't like him but again my gut instinct is like nah you know what this isn't right um and then he like laughed it all like he laughed at me like i'm being over i'm being ridiculous this is um you know nothing to be worried about and i'm pregnant at this time with baby number 2 and, um, I didn't like it at all. I also had another girlfriend call me who knows him and was like, Hey, I was at the bar and he was like talking to a, a girl, like flirting, hitting on a girl. And I was like, again, kind of in denial, like, all right, so what? So he's, he can talk to other girls. Maybe is she being like over, you know, it, it, who do I believe here? Right. And uh, you want to believe your husband. Um, but this is like these little small hints of like, okay, when somebody's calling you to tell you who usually doesn't call you to tell you that your husband is like talking to other girls, you know, take it seriously. <laughs> but I, I think I, you know, it's like, you don't want to believe the truth. So I find another, I find, an, I find the, uh, plenty of fish app on his phone. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. Open it. And he's got messages going with other women about hooking up 
And like one was even like they were going to meet. And it was like the weekend they were talking about meeting was our one year wedding anniversary. And um, I was like, even more in shock. I remember I like left the house. I like ran down the street and was like, and didn't know what to think. I didn't, you know, it's like, you don't want to believe that. And so he's like, Oh, it's like porn. I'm not really going to like do it. I just do it to like get off. And like, you know, I'm like talking to these girls. I'm not actually going to meet up with them, but which, which then is like, Oh, okay. Well then that's, I guess, you know, it's, that's not that big of a deal, but like, I mean, you're, whether he met with them or not, the fact that he's doing that is not okay. But again, it's like, I, I wasn't really going to meet them. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's like porn. So it's not that big of a deal. Okay. So that on top of the girl that he was talking to, um, on top of, um, I think then there was another girl. In fact, I know there's another girl. Like in hindsight, I know this now, but at the time I didn't know really if there was a girl, if it was like a true full-blown relationship. He's more of a player. So, uh, you know, he's not having a love affair with one person. It's more of like multiple. Um, But he had that ballet job at this restaurant and he went on a, he tells me this in when we were like about to divorce, he said, yeah, I went, I went uh, to the movies with her, but just as friends who goes to the movies with a, you know, a coworker. And meanwhile, I'm pregnant and I, you know, I've got our kids at home. It was my birthday, my 26th birthday. And, um, we wake up and he called me a bitch. He didn't say happy birthday. Uh, he left the house. He went to his to school and then he went to his job and said he wouldn't be able to make it for the dinner with my parents so it was just me and my son and my parents and on my birthday and he's at this restaurant that he ballets probably flirting with this girl that he eventually took to the theater whether it was before or after I don't know um and I didn't know at the time that he was doing that And, um, you know, I get home and it's like 11 o'clock at night on my birthday. He's been gone the whole day. Happy birthday, my love. I love you. You know, that kind of stuff. And, um, how did you take that? Um, see, it's really easy to win me over. Like I should have been more, I was pissed, but then when, all you have to do is say a few nice words to me. And I'm like, I love you too. You know, whatever. I didn't know he was, I thought he was working. I want to believe that he's truly at school trying to bring his grades up. And, um, he's at work because again, he has a way about him that feels very genuine and it sounds and feels and looks genuine to this day. Uh, despite everything that happens in this story, I thought he was genuine. And how do you feel about yourself that you have one child, you have one on the way? Are you scared at all about what uh, what life oh. would be? You're not scared about what your life would be like without someone there? I wouldn't say scared. 
Um, I would say it's not the way I wanted it to be. Right. Again, like I said, I want, I want the big family on the farm with the fun and like, that's what I want it to be. And if it's not being that, I'm not going to like sit around and hope that it becomes that. So I moved in with my parents. He was so shitty and destructive and lying and, and the, you know, the girlfriends and all this stuff. And I'm just trying to have a normal pregnancy Then I moved in with my parents who live a five minute car ride away. Um, and I just needed to be taken care of. Right. Like I, I need, I just, I need respite or whatever. Like I need something. I need a refuge from the storm. And so I moved in with my parents and he, and this is, I would say this is one of the, like, another layer of me moving out of the house. He, um, me moving out of the house and with my parents, now he doesn't have any, like, he wanted me, you know, he wants me back at the house, but I'm in with my parents. And at this time, he, I knew he was like cheating on me. And, um, I went on Match.com one night because I needed like love, you know, like I needed to feel my, you know, I'm 26. I'm like, I just want to have this relationship. And I, I like messaged a couple guys on there and I was, and I put on there that I was like separated or whatever. And I, I mean, this wasn't like the first night in my parents' house. Like I had been living at my parents' house probably for a month while he was just doing whatever the fuck he wanted. And he, um, and so I went on match.com like one night and then I got off the app. Like the next day I deleted it. Cause I'm, I, I was just like, I'm not, this isn't what I'm really, I, I think I just had to dip my toes in and then I'm like, yep, nope, not really going to do this. And so I was transparent about that with him. Like when I moved back in with him, I told him about it. And that is when it really, I think him seeing that I wasn't just kind of sitting around waiting for him to get, you know, this gullible, like, I remember he, he like signed into the account and read all the messages and he came downstairs and he's like, you were looking for love. He's like, I was just looking for sex. You were like legitimately looking for love. And he was like really shaken by that. And, um, which to me, like a normal person would be like, oh, honey, I'm sorry. I'm not giving you love. I love you so much. Like, I don't want you to have to feel like you're, you need that from any, you know, like, let, how can I make this up to you? I was always waiting for that, like, you know, token moment of like, I really like showing me the actions. Cause it was like almost, it was so close to being there always, but it was never quite there. And, um, so that was the huge turn of event where he became very controlling. And, um, so I move, I have my daughter and I move back home because here it is. We have a baby. I can't live at my parents' house and we have a new newborn baby. And plus, you know, I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. It's going to be different this time. I'm, you know, I'm here for the family. And, um, I moved back in the house. I have an infant. My son was two. Um, and I'm enrolled in college now. And I was watching kids out of my house during the day to make some extra money and going to school at night. Meanwhile, he's never at the house. He's, it's like, 
I basically was a single mom from the day I had my son. <laughs> He's never at the house. He's at school, at the lab, studying for his test. I'm watching multiple toddlers plus our own and then getting ready for school at night. So um, it he would, when I was watching the kids at the house, though, he's now paranoid that I'm texting other guys because of the whole Match.com debacle. So he would come take my phone take it hostage and leave with my phone. I'm watching other people's kids at my house. Like I have to have my phone. And there would be times where it's like, I'd like have to email the mom and be like, Hey, you know, if you need to get a hold of me, please email this address. And then, then he'd like take my Gmail password. And so now I'm locked out of my Gmail. And so then when I saw that it was, it could be disruptive to um, you know, communication with the parents of the kids I'm watching. And I, you know, I'm also protecting these other kids in my house. I decided to move again back in with my parents, um, mostly for that reason. Like, I can't, I, I can't raise children in a house with this, a man like this. So I moved back in with my parents. So I'm living with my parents. He's living at my house again. Our, both our kids are born. I'm going to school at night and he, this is when he turned really psycho. Um, I, he would spy on me at, at the college. And I know this because I have, he like backed up his pictures somewhere. And I, there's like pictures of me, like from far away in the hall. <laughs> like he takes pictures of me. I don't know why. Like I'm like talking to somebody about, you know, school. Um, but he would like, creepily always kind of be on my toe. He would always know where I was. He would, he would like, you know, text me. And then five minutes later, he'd be available. Like, right. You know, he, there he is. Um, and then he would grill me about like, where were you uh, at two, at 10 o'clock? You, you should have been, you know, you should have been back here. So like he was kind of tracking where I was all day and wanting to keep a pulse on me. And then it, it would get worse. Like, um, he would, he would, uh, sit outside my parents' house and be like, who was the car at 2 AM? Um, you know, license plate, blah, blah, blah. And he'd like run the license plate. And then he'd get the person's name. And then he'd be like, who's Joe Schmo? And I'd be like, I don't know Joe Schmo. Then he puts a tracker or an app on, I forget how he tracked me, but he put, I think he put an app on, oh, he put an app on my phone to track me. And I agreed, like, go ahead, track me because I'm not doing anything wrong. I have nothing to hide. Put the GPS on me all day long. I have nothing to hide. But then like, if you've ever looked at a GPS or, or whatever, sometimes it pings to like a block over, right? It's not perfect. So he'd be like, he'd think that I was a block over and so he's close. Um, and he would like, uh, I mean, it was like, so he's, he is very meticulous and he is very like techie. And so he, it was almost like be so dove in and intertwined to the point where it's like at the other end of the spectrum where it's like, dude, you've gone way too far. You're like making things up. But he believed that he like legitimately believed it he would show up at my house like 
sweating and like in a rage about like, um, you know, he'd want in, he'd be like, and this is my parents' house. Right. And so, so I was safe at my parents' house. So he was never like banging down the door. Cause my dad would probably kick his ass. Um, but it drove him, it drove him nuts that, um, I was, you know, I, I was out of his control. And so I, probably the worst point, one of, one of the two worst points in the whole story is one night I was at, at school and I took the bus home and he had my car and, um, he was like, I'll give you a ride home to your, to my parents' house. I was like, okay. Cause I didn't want to wait for the bus. Sure. I'll, I'll get a ride home. And he was unstable. You know, all the bullshit had been going on, but again, I get in the car and it was October. So it was rainy, slick, dark. And he starts grilling me about who I'm talking to. Who is the guy I'm cheating on him with? And I was like, I'm not cheating on you. I like, and then he went into a rage and he like got on, he like got on the highway and was going the opposite way of my parents' house, but like getting on the on-ramp onto, he's just driving recklessly in the rain. I, that was the first time I've ever been like scared for my life. I was like, he's, what is he going to do? I mean, he had a rage in his eyes and he's like, yelling at me you know we're going to Bethel Park Pennsylvania I'm sorry I'm laughing I can laugh about it now it's not funny but it's funny that like these names like you know Joe whatever and Bethel Park Pennsylvania because he would like get into my search engine and I I looked up Bethel Park Pennsylvania well it's probably because some celebrity is from Bethel Park Pennsylvania and I was like googling to see what Bethel Park Pennsylvania was who knows? I have no idea. No, or maybe there was like a house there, you know, a, a historic house. And I was like, who freaking knows? I don't remember what I did yesterday. I have two kids and I'm going to school and I'm dealing with you. I don't know why I, Bethel Park, Pennsylvania, you know, and he's like, I'm a liar. I'm lying. Um, you know, so we're going to drive to Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. It's like seven o'clock at night. My parents are expecting me home and I have two babies waiting for me. So he's like driving, uh, uh, then he like gets off the highway and I was like, I'm going to jump out. I'm going to jump out. So I like went to jump out of the car and he like pulls me in, like pulls, he's like holding me down in the car so I can't get out. And, um, I, so then it was just like, a, it was crazy. It was like on the highway, off the highway. So he gets back on the highway and I'm like, I'm just going to, he, he pulls over, he pulls over on the berm of the highway and, um, was like, just tell, oh, I go, I'm going to tell you who it is. Cause I was like, I think if I just tell him a name, maybe that will stop the chaos. Like maybe if I say something, so I go, okay, I'll tell you who it is. And he was like, I mean, dead serious. He's like, calm. He's like, okay, who is it? And I made up a name and he was like, he like exhaled. <sighs> like, I, I, I don't know if he was going through psychosis. I mean, I don't know, Brandon, maybe he's not an art. Maybe he like, I made something was wrong. Something was wrong. But then, um, 
so he's like relieved. It was like quiet, all just calm. And we, he like turns, we get back off. We, we go back to our house, not my parents' house. He drives back to our house. I'm supposed to go back home where my kids are, my parents' house. He drives to our house and he wants me to come in. And I'm like, after that fucking crazy scene, I'm getting the fuck out of, like, I'm scared of him. I'm scared. Like, it's eerie that he's so, like, calm now. And so I, like, went to run. <laughs> I don't know where I was going. I was like, I, was, I just, like, was going to book it. And he, like, grabbed me and, like, basically, like, pulled me inside and wanted to have sex. And I was like, I don't want to. And I will say another thing with him and I is, like, we have a great physical connection. Like, I intimacy was never a problem. Like it was very good. Uh, we have good chemistry in bed. I've never, there's never been one time where I like, wouldn't want to have sex with him. Like I, I'm very attracted to him. We're attracted, like we, we're just attracted to each other. But the fact that I, I didn't like, I wasn't attracted to him at all in that moment. And he was like, but he, I mean, he still made me have sex with him. Like he was like, I didn't really have a choice anyway. So, I mean, that was probably the worst, uh, a, a pretty bad point there. And I left this. So then I left and I called his mom and I was like, I don't know if I should call the cops or like how I should handle this. And, um, she was like, just don't go back there. Don't call the cops, but don't go back. Like, stay away from him. It was insanity. And um, I'm back at my parents' house and um, college is winding up. It was like a two-year program. And um, I also don't want to live at my parents' house because I am independent. I have this house. I'm paying for this house. I want to live in my house. I want to live in my house. Um, so when I was interviewing for these jobs, I had like six different internship interviews um, at nice firms downtown in the city, uh, you know, making a nice salary. And uh, I remember right before he wanted to drive me to all of them. He wanted to take me and wait while I went to all these interviews. And we're talking like somebody who was never home, always out with his friends to now I can't even move without him, like needing to know where I am. If you went to the grocery store, that's five minutes away. And I stopped at the ATM or I ran into somebody I knew I'd have anxiety. Like I, I got to go or he's going to get upset that I wasn't home. And then he's going to grill me and question me and he's going to get pissed. Um, and so he would drive me, he drove me to all my, my interviews. And I remember he got pissed about something and smashed and like slammed the back kitchen door and the glass shattered. It was like an old door, but you know, glass shatters everywhere. It cuts my hand. I'm showing up to a freaking interview with a bleeding, you know, a slice on my hand. And, um, you know, I got to pull it together and, um, and, and whatever. I actually got the job offer at that place. Anyway, anyway, um, 
just he was always smashing things. He smashed the um the uh the oven door, like the first glass of the oven door smashes that to pieces. He would smash my uh, glasses. He would get, you know, take the glasses off my face and smash them. He would um, smash my phone. I think I went through like three cell phones that he would smash. Um, when I moved out of the house and then moved back in, my flat screen key was smashed while I had been gone. Um, and you know, when I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, my parents, that was like my like housewarming gift for my parents when I first moved out and it, here it is cracked. And he's like, you know, when I address him about it, he's like, don't even bring it up. Um, and it, it, you know, it's always things are getting ruined. Things are getting smashed. Um, and yeah, like locking me out of my password, he'd lock me out of my, my college login password like you know to get your college notes and stuff he'd lock me out of that like sabotaging my every move and I'm just trying to be successful and I can't even check my email I can't I can't study for my test I can't contact the parents of the kids I'm watching so we can pay our bills um and when I moved back in for the, what, I don't know, third time, right when I was like start getting my career set up, um, he wasn't working. And I, it was December and we had no money and he, like the mortgage was, was due. And so I pawned, I went to a pawn shop and I pawned my wedding ring thinking I was going to get it back because I was about to start this new job making good money and um well, and at the time to me it was good money uh more money than we had ever made and I thought okay I'm gonna pawn this ring and then I had like two or three months to go buy it back and it was like it was I didn't have the papers on it he only gave me like 500 bucks to pawn it so I'm like okay and and my ex knew like $500 he could have easily like, how hard is it to scrap up 500 bucks to go get my wedding ring back? Like, in my romantic mind, it's like what he should have done was like surprised me, went and got the ring back, and then been like, honey, I'm sorry, I'm never going to do it. Again. You know, like, this is what I'm hoping in my heart of hearts that like a miracle is going to happen. Um, but it got worse. And it got worse when I started my job. And I loved it. I had never been, you know, it's like I, I, I had always kind of, I worked for my dad. I worked at, um, you know, the ice cream shop in, from high school. And um, I had never really been in like a corporate job and, and feeling that empowerment of um, that I, you know, I had accomplished my degree and I was um, in, the, in a very nice firm and uh, professional development and surrounded by peers and colleagues that were very bright and motivated. And I was like, wow, this is like a whole new world. Uh, uh, it was, um, I really enjoyed it. And he saw that. But the culture at this firm was um, during certain periods of the year, we would have to work like 60 hours. So there would be late nights and it was required. And, um, he, this is when he like really lost it. This is when he, uh, 
would sit outside the firm and text, like blow up my phone all day saying he's going to bust in there and he's going to find me having sex with somebody. Like he was convinced that I was like sleeping with somebody at the firm. And, um, and he would even say like, I'm sorry, I'm morbidly jealous. He told me he was morbidly jealous and he needs help. I went to multiple um, marriage counselors. At one point when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was seeing a marriage counselor and he wouldn't show up. Um, but now by this time, we found a marriage counselor and he's like frantically trying to make it better. Um, to the point where I said, I will do a lie detector test. We found a polygraph uh, administrator and I took a polygraph test and passed it with flying colors and thinking like this is going to solve the world's problems. Now he's never going to bother me again. And um, he like at first was like, oh, you know, okay. You know, because the guy was like, you owe her an apology. (laughs) And I was like, tell me every single guy you think I'm doing anything with, put it on this piece of paper. I want the questions asked. So you have peace of mind. And um, again, we had no money and I'm forking out 400 bucks for this stupid test, uh, which eventually just, it meant nothing. He said, oh, you were up late last night. Uh, I read that if you're tired, when you take a, if you're tired and hungry, when you take a polygraph test, you pass it or something. I don't even know. And he said, I did that. And that's why I passed. <laughs> I was like, stupid i i like it blows my mind he thinks i'm cheating on him because that's just not me like if you know me i'm not i would never cheat on anybody but you're convinced to the point you're driving me off the highway that i'm cheating on you what's what's amazing is that within everything that's gone on and as you explained there's been three levels of things that in this level three, when, you know, when he was in control or what he perceived to be control, you know, he was one, he's, he's different from when it began because that wasn't the real him. It's a whole different person. And then that second version was someone who had control and was just doing whatever they wanted. And as soon as he felt that you could love someone else and then that control of uh, owning you in a way was Mm -hmm. gone, this new person came out of the woodwork, which is its own complete shock because you never saw this version before. And this version is a scary person and it keeps on escalating. And it really is a story of like three different levels here of, you know, the, the, the fake person, uh, the person that has control. And then what happens to someone when they start losing control, but the relationship is still going on and being within that, how scary it can be when someone like this 
is losing control, at least in their mind that they've lost control. Yes. And this is when, when you ask if I was scared, I was never really scared until level three. And that was like my sign of like, you need to get out. But I, I think, you know, cause he would, he would stop, he was stalking me. He was straight up stalking me and, um, and then would be, would say things like, I'm going to kill you if you don't tell me where you are right now. Um, I'm, you know, like threat, very threatening, threatening to expose me at the firm. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to show them who you really are. Um, threatening, uh, just always like it's just always like a threat to where I, I don't know if he's gonna go off the deep end one day and literally do that because he could because he's been unstable I mean he that whole thing with the Bethel Park Pennsylvania bullshit like I, I don't know I, I I part of me felt like maybe he was and maybe he was maybe he was going through some sort of psychosis or something um which is not an excuse, right? Like, don't hang around because you feel bad who's going through psychosis. I, I had two babies to take care of. Um, so how does it all end? The, and the turning point was he was at the firm and he wanted me to come out. And I said no. And so I, I like went to the front window and could see him sitting there. But I needed to go home. So as soon as I saw him leave the parking lot, I left the firm. Like I saw him drive away. So now I'm going to drive home and I'm on the highway and he comes up from behind my, in my rear view mirror. He must've been going 110 miles an hour and came right up on my car. And like, and like, if I wouldn't have got moved over to the berm, he would have hit my car. Like I could, I had to move over. So he, forces me off the road, off the freeway and parks his car, like, so that like right behind mine, like with his car hanging off in the slow lane comes over and is like, get off at the next exit. So I'm like, okay. So we like get back on and I don't get off at the next exit jokes on you. And he like gets back on. And basically it was like, it, it felt like, again, something from a movie where we were having like this chase. And then finally he gets me off the road and like takes my keys and uh, was going to leave me there stranded kind of in a, a not so good part of the neighborhood. And then like eventually then came and gave me my keys back. So that's the point where I'm like, I need to, again, I don't know what he's about to pull. My mom asked me, like, do you think he would kill you? And the fact that I couldn't strongly be like, no way, was scary for me. Because I'm like, why would I even take the risk? So at the, and I had a good support system at this firm. I had good mentors and people who kind of knew what was going on. And so um, I filed a restraining order against him. and. Um, and then I didn't see him, you know, with the restraining order, we didn't really talk. And then um, we did a, a dissolution, a divorce dissolution. Um, and while I had the restraining order on him, he already started dating another girl. Just 
during that time when I had to make the decision to divorce him, um, and our kids were little two and four and I didn't, I remember being like, I don't want to be one of those strong women (laughs) and here I am. But like, I didn't want to have to be that like divorce strong single mom because of, you know, whatever stigma was in my head surrounding it at the time. Um, and so it's almost like for the sake of not having that label, but I would never stick around and do something just to portray a certain thing. You know, I knew what I had to do, uh, for myself and for my kids and for him, like he need, he needed a hit rep. He needed, he, he, he needed that. Like, I, I'm not enabling you to be a psychopath, a psychopath anymore. Um, and so it was, um, I mean, you know, that I feel like my life as it is today, this is like this, you know, starts here of leaving him. Um, he wasn't helping with the kids, you know, and they were little. And so I'm still in my twenties and my girlfriends are all going out, you know, no one has kids. And, um, I, I never went out, you know, like I was just always kind of hustling and trying to make ends meet and I wouldn't depend on him ever because he would say he was going to help and then he wouldn't show up and then I'd have to you know at the last second put someone else out to help me with the kids because I made plans with somebody so I I really kind of I I didn't I wasn't social I, I didn't make plans I just raised my kids and I worked all the time work 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 and taking care of my kids and um but I enjoy my career and I enjoyed um I enjoy being a mom. I really, I, 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 sometimes I get sad because I wish I would have had more kids, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I think at the time when I divorced him, I thought maybe I would meet somebody, um, and have, you know, more kids, but that wasn't in my cards. Um, and he wasn't around, he would come around sporadically, um, And he would be, you know, I could see it in his eyes. He had been drinking or he was doing whatever, uh, who knows, you know, just his shenanigans, like nothing was changing. And I didn't want that to be exposed to my kids. And and when we did a dissolution, he wanted split custody. Well, I know he's not going to show up to get the kids and he's not going to sign the dotted line unless, you know, I agree. And so the whole divorce thing wasn't even ugly because I basically gave him what he wanted with custody. And to this day, what, seven years later, he not once has he ever stuck to the custody agreement, which I'm fine with. Like, I like having the kids in my custody, but um, I didn't fight him. You know, I, I kind of was very like, what do you want? What do you think is fair? You know, what's the equity from the house that you think you deserve? Okay, I can... I can sever ties, you know, the ask, you know, he wants this exemption on his tax return. He wants my son for, you know, what, okay, fine. Like at that point, it was like, I just wanted to be uh, severed from him. So now that we're here, you're done. You told your story, you know, you're, you're done. You know, this is a stage where, 
you're not, it's it for you. You're every, there's closure. You're not going to talk about it again. You just wanted to come on and, and, and share your story to help everyone. And, mm-hmm. you know, before we leave, what is, or, or what are your words of wisdom or advice for everyone who's going through or has gone through the same thing? I think what I have done in my life with this traumatic, I mean, you know, it was, I'd never experienced any sort of real trauma until all of this. And um, it forced me to be, um, a strong woman, that strong woman that I didn't want to be. Um, and my advice to the women or, I, you know, women or men that are in a relationship where they are the, um, you know, the people pleaser, the peacekeeper, the codependent person, um, that you're actually stronger than you realize. And that if you believe in yourself you can you can get along without being dependent on another person and um you know it is hard no doubt about it being strong but there's a empowerment and a to feel strength um not just physically but like mentally strong um, feel confident in your soul, who you are and what you deserve in your life. That's what you have to go after. If you're in a relationship and it's beating you down and you're hoping it's going to change and their actions speak louder than words and you know in your gut that it's not going to change, ask yourself what you're waiting for. I know it sounds, it's easier said than done, you know, you only live once and you have to make that stuff as scary as it is to make a change in your life because, and even the smallest changes matter, but put yourself first and believe that you can make a difference and you don't have to let this person dictate how you feel and what you're supposed to be doing with yourself. Well, Ruby Sue, I really want to thank you for being here with me today and sharing your story. You, you did a great job. So thank you so much uh, from the bottom of my heart for being here with us today. Thank you. So I just want to thank Ruby Sue for being a guest on our show once again. And if you want to be a guest like Ruby Sue was today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. Please read the instructions and either fill out our Guest Form, press the Submit button, or send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Also at our website, we have our very own safe social network. So at the top of the page, you can press the support group button at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Inside our support group, we have our very own forum boards where you can uh, get help from other forum members. We have our very own Zoom meetings, Wednesday nights, Saturday nights, and every other Thursday afternoon. We also have ad-free episodes and episodes that never made it to air. And if you really just want to support our show, please do just 
join our support group. It's, it helps us out a lot. And if you need even more support, please do go to our friends at domesticshelters.org. I cannot say enough about our friends at domesticshelters.org. There you have articles and resources to help you through these times for you to understand what's happened to you. You have information on shelters there. You can get a hold of shelters. You can find out a lot more uh, with the free resources that they have at their website. So please do go to domesticshelters.org. And that is it. So for myself and Ruby Sue, we hope you have a good night.